Boss Uncaged is a weekly podcast that releases the origin stories of business owners and entrepreneurs as they become uncaged trailblazers. In each episode, our hosts, S.A. Grant and guests construct narrative accounts of their collective business journeys and growth strategies. Learn key success habits and how to stay motivated through failure, all while developing a boss uncaged mindset. Break out of your cage and welcome our host, S.A. Grant. Welcome, welcome back to Boss Uncaged Podcast. So today I had the pleasure of speaking to this individual um, in a virtual coffee and we just kind of like hit it off and we have so many different similarities and she's such a positive and inspirational person. Um, I'm going to deem her, you know, based upon all the things that she does. And I was kind of like, what's one word to summarize who she is? So I'm going to call her the optimized boss. And obviously when we start talking, it's going to make perfect sense why I'm calling her that. So Suzanne, the floor is yours. Why don't you tell the audience a little bit more about you and what we're going to be talking about today? Well, hello, and thank you for having me. Uh, I love that Optimize boss. Uh, I am a life and business coach for entrepreneurs. I kind of call what I do mental performance because it's really about how we're thinking about things and how we perceive things. I love insights. I love innovation. I love ideas. And I'm excited to dive into our conversation today. So, I mean... and again, you're not like a, a typical coach, right? And I, and I looked at you like your, your instant, well, LinkedIn resume, and it's like you have all these different sub certifications of coaching. So I yes. want you to kind of like itemize out these, and that's why I'm calling you the optimized boss. Because I mean, obviously, you have these different sectors of coaching, but mm-hmm. what are you certified in, and how does that help you with your clients? Well, I got my start with coaching in the fields of uh, nutrition and fitness. And I had been a semi-pro athlete when I was younger in two different sports, swimming when I was really young and snowboarding when I was in my early 20s. And it was really that mindset of that athletic performance that I took to nutrition and fitness. Mm -hmm. And I soon discovered that that mindset piece of nutrition and fitness was really 90% of the work I was doing with my clients. So that my love of learning propelled me into positive psychology, which that led down a rabbit hole of certifications in resilience and grit and life strategies and holistic life coaching. I really didn't know who I wanted to be as a coach. And I had this love of learning. So I think that's what kind of fueled the certifications in the beginning was trying to find myself as a coach, Hmm. even though in my previous career, I think I showed up with a coaching mentality. So um, the certifications kind of run the gamut between nutrition, fitness, wellness, holistic life coaching, and that emotional neuroscience connection to how we're performing as business owners. Very cool. Very cool. So, I mean, one of those things, I mean, you talked about like the Taylor method and I, and I, again, mm-hmm. I want you to kind of like define what that is for the listener that's never heard of the Taylor method and like, what are the four different areas that that thing covers and like, how does that help someone with your coaching? Well, I believe that actual coaching is a one-on-one or a group conversation mm. that 
most people feel as though coaching, you know, in the online space is an online course or a group program where you never get to talk to the coach. And I, I don't do things that way. So everything I do is tailored for my clients. So depending on where they need to go, I'm capable of going there. And it took a while of being in business and being a coach to have that level of confidence and say, okay, if I have a client that needs to go into nutrition or sleep or habits, I can go there. If I have a client who needs uh, a marketing strategy, I've done that hundreds of times, not only for myself, but for all these clients, I can go there. And it's really that intersection of custom goal creation Mm. and creating those conversations together that I believe coaching is. And with the invention of the online space and online courses and classes and workshops and webinars, all these different names for coaching, I don't believe that they are what coaching really at its heart is all about. I think that's definitely interesting because I mean, one of your YouTube videos, you you were talking about you've redone your packaging as far as your general services and you've redone like your courses and you slimmed them down to like option A and option B. So, I mean, that mm-hmm. kind of, that was a good segue to this. So let's yeah. talk about those packages and why did you kind of re-evolve them into where obviously you had multiple packages and now you only have one or two. Yeah. Well, I think most coaches make this mistake is that we want to help this wide net of people so we i I know personally i was super afraid to niche down to even to entrepreneurs i was like oh god don't put me in a box Mm -hmm. i was terrified of that and it wasn't from a lack mindset but it was more well i can help that person too Mm But it wasn't until I really decided, okay, what is lighting me up about who I'm working with? So one, I have to be passionate about their business. I have to be. I have to love it. They can't come to me with a business that's toxic for the environment or has bad morals or isn't ethically, like I just mm, don't, don't want any parts of that. So I have to understand the business. I have to be passionate about the business and I have to be able to see something that that business owner doesn't see, which normally happens through a conversation. Mm-hmm. And I will say by narrowing down and only speaking to two offers. So I have a mastermind group and I have one-on-one coaching. Now, do I have online courses? Absolutely, you will find them nowhere. Like, I don't advertise them anymore. I don't publish them anymore because if I believe coaching is custom and co-created, I don't want to have a funnel that sells a $97 coaching program. I don't want to do that. So when I talk to somebody and they need that $97 program, I offer it to them, whether I offer it to them for free or they pay. To me, that feels like I'm showing up authentically with my values, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, I mean, it makes per- perfect value. And I think one of the key words that you said, and it goes back to like your core values, is about being like natural and being supportive of nature. And, and it's, it's mm-hmm. funny because like when if you if if the listener goes to like your Pinterest page, you'll see like she has some of these images that are like natural backgrounds. But one of them I, that I really liked was like inner strength. And then you had like these these teardrops and it was like, OK, if you add lemongrass and you do this and it has like four teardrops versus three teardrops. So I want to kind of talk about like how does that work into your coaching as well? Because, again, I think those visuals are great visuals. But again, you're more of a business strategist coach. How are you making that connection between the two? Well, I think this is really the fun part of what I do. So I've always had a love for aromatherapy natural supplements, Mm -hmm. acupuncture, all of these holistic modalities I've used in my own healing journey. And years ago when I was a dental hygienist, I would recommend different healing modalities to my patients who were struggling with something. And aromatherapy really stood out to me, mm-hmm. as well as acupuncture. It's something I do for myself on a weekly basis. I get a massage once a month. Now, I'm fortunate enough to have insurance that pays for some of those things. And I know that some people don't. But there's plenty of holistic modalities you can, you know, kind of tap into mm-hmm for those things that you need. So if I have a client who is overly stressed, overly anxious, overly, um, maybe they're overeating, maybe they're lacking motivation or hormonal balance. Like I'm aware of all of those things because I'm somebody's coach and we've actually had conversations. I can make those recommendations to other practitioners or other modalities that are going to enhance you know, an executive's life that they might not know about, which is really, that's the fun part of what I do. It's very cool. I mean, it kind of goes back to, to, to the nickname that I gave you in the beginning of the show. And, you know, I, I, I give these nicknames based upon like the information that, that I've consumed by doing mm-hmm. research on you. And I was just kind of like, like if one word can definitely identify <laughs> you, that's the one word. I right? love it. So love it. let's just push that a little bit further. So I'm going to start mm-hmm. off with, with optimizer and optimizer. But if you can pick three to five words to define you, what would those three to five words be? Mm. I would say optimistic motivating, inspiring, intuitive, um, and leaning in to my rapport building skills has been probably the single best thing I've ever done for my, my business. Very cool. So like this next question is more so a question because I think like you kind of fall into the more positive spectrum of an A-type personality. Mm-hmm. We also know that there's negative A-type personalities. And obviously in your business as a coach, you probably have dealt with some of those A-type personalities. So I want you to kind of, without naming names, talk about like the worst case scenario that you've dealt with a client that was a potentially an A-type personality that you guys were just bumping heads, things just was working, but you came out on top. Well, I will say, I'm just going to say, um, everyone has saboteurs. Mm. Every person on this planet has a voice in their head that holds them back in some way. Mm-hmm. And in my training with emotional intelligence, I will say that 
typically that shows up in certain ways. And whether it's a victim mindset or whether it's an avoider mindset or perfectionism or uh, hyper achievement where nothing's ever good enough. Oh, oh, great. I won a bronze medal, but it wasn't gold, right? Nothing's ever good enough for certain A-type personalities. Um, other A-type personalities steer away from delegation because nobody's going to do it as good as them. That's me. Totally. And it's about recognizing what my client's saboteur is and helping them be aware mm -hmm. of it, noticing it, but then also knowing your strengths. So when I became aware of my innate character strengths, what, what are those strengths that I came with as a kid, in high school, in college, that I've taken with me? Mm -hmm. Well, one was self-awareness. I've, I've, I'm an only child, um, very good at self-awareness. I also have a love of learning mm -hmm. and then my sense of humor. So they're my top three. Well, by me knowing those, how do I tap in to my love of learning, my sense of humor, and then that self-awareness piece? Hmm. Well, if I had known at, you know, 19 or 20, that, said, that says coach written all over it. It also, maybe it was a stand-up comedian like Jerry Seinfeld, you know, who kind of talks about life and funny things. Wow, that would feel amazing if I could lean into those strengths, be aware of my saboteurs. I have an avoider saboteur hmm. where if something's difficult, I'll just won't do it. I also have a little bit of a victim, poor me saboteur mm. and that hyper achiever where nothing's ever good enough. That's that perfectionism piece. Well, how can I lean away from those and lean into the strengths? And that's something I found through my love of learning, working with great coaches over the years, therapy and working on myself first so I could help my clients. I'm just kind of like I'm a very visual person and I'm really mm -hmm. big into brands and I'm just listening to you and, and I'm hearing you define yourself in these multiple different characteristics and and the first thing that pops into my mind is like the main characters from the Jungle Book and it's kind of like <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you think about it right like you have the bear in you you have like the, the, the lion in you you also have like the human being that's also amongst the animals trying to juggle and figure things out so mm -hmm. all these things are inside of you and I think you also gave like a great segue to like your general education I mean you, again you graduated with uh i think it was an organic chemistry degree right right <laughs> applied, that was like what that was one of your first ones yeah. applied science yeah 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 so i mean so you went from applied science then you went uh -huh. to psychology and then you became coach but i would think from the naked eye someone would be like what the hell do they have to do with each other but again psychology is based upon human organic chemistry and then mm -hmm. you're compiling both of these things and building them into what you do right now so would you say that your education is helping you where you are Oh, 100%. 100%. I didn't, when I was in it, when I was, you know, being an overachiever with the certifications and trying to find myself, I didn't, 
see how it was going to be mm. beneficial. I was kind of confused. Like, oh, great. I just built this coaching practice in the nutrition space. And now I've graduated with a degree in positive psychology. I have to change my whole business model. Mm-hmm. Now I can look back, you know, 15 years ago, and it was exactly the path I needed to take in order to be who I am today mm. as a coach. So it made sense now. It didn't yeah. make sense then. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm happy that you brought back 15 years back. So let, let, let's take it back further, right? Let's go back to like like you as a kid. Mm. And obviously, like you were saying, like you're, you're, you're essentially three different personalities. You're an overachiever. And sometimes you undermine yourself and you're trying to figure it out. What were you like? What kind of household did you grow up in? Um, well, only child. Uh, I was always very imaginative. Mm-hmm. You know, there was no computers, there was no cell phones, there was uh, three channels on the TV, and I think I was the remote control. Uh, so it was lots of time out in nature. Mm-hmm. So it's not a surprise I still love that today. Mm-hmm. Um, there was lots of imagination time, lots of athletic time. I grew up on a street with all boys. So I was very in touch with my masculine side mm-hmm. of getting dirty, exploring adventures. You know, it was just who I was as a person. And when I, I'm still friends with numerous people from, you know, grammar school, high school, college, they called me the instigator. Mm-hmm. I was the idea person. I was the one who said, we're sneaking out of our houses tonight. And we're going to go to the swim club and go swimming at midnight. And everybody else was like, okay, we'll go. So I, I loved groups of people. I love bringing groups of friends together. Makes sense. I'm an awesome connector and I'm an awesome networker Mm -hmm. now. Um, That instigator piece, pulling people together, getting them excited about an idea, motivating them to take action. Well, that has coach and consultant written all over it. I just didn't know it. Hmm. So, I mean, I, it's funny that you keep saying that you're your only child because I'm the only child as well, too. And, and I can mm. talk about everything that you're saying. I mean, about using your imagination, figuring out things and, you know, mm-hmm. a closet with toys can, can be an entire new world for you if you're your only child. So, I mean, yeah. taking that from a kid and growing up. And I think the key thing that you said was about idea, which kind of rolls into one of like your brands. I mean, you have a, a program that's titled just that, right? And it's called mm-hmm. what Idea Lab, is it? Yes, that's actually my community for entrepreneurs. Hmm. So, I mean, let's say, let's say this is the first time I'm hearing about you. I'm listening to this podcast and I'm like, well, this idea thing sounds interesting. I love her story. I'm an only mm-hmm. child as well, too. Like what, what, what's included in, in this idea lab? So I would call it a community of entrepreneurs who believe that we do better when we collaborate. And when we connect with each other, when we learn from each other and we refer business to each other. So I I had dabbled with a Facebook group for years, growing it, exploring different ideas. And I finally decided on a community off of social media because one of the habits that I got into early in my coaching career was being online too much, too much Uh, digital stimulation for me. So I wanted to create something 
off of social media that didn't wasn't dependent on algorithms for people to see content. So there's a free aspect to the community where think of it like a Facebook group. There's weekly uh, networking calls. There's weekly accountability calls, all for free in the free part. And then, of course, there's an upgrade to a mastermind personal development level at 97 a month. And then, you know, it, if someone's interested more than that, then it's about personal connection mm. with me. But the networking feature isn't like mass networking. It's personal introductions done by me right now. Uh, I have about 60 members in the community and I expand that every week. And it's really about this person needs to meet this person and sending an email to okay. introduce them and kind of putting that system on steroids a little bit. Nice, nice. I mean, I, I think you brought up a, a really good point about offline versus online. And, mm. and I think people, they, they don't really understand that. So, I mean, obviously Facebook is an online platform and people are familiar with groups. I mean, I have like six groups on Facebook right now. And to your mm -hmm. point, having it offline makes it to where you don't have to deal with the algorithm not showing 90% of your audience the information yeah. that you're supposed to be delivering to them on a regular basis. And people are missing events and they're missing updates and they're missing content because the algorithm is not showing it to them. So having that offline, it, it, it's great. And I'm building out mine as well right now. Awesome. And one of the things that I found on my platform and I'm using Heartbeat is that what oh, you're talking too. about. Oh, yeah, that's so, so cool. Yeah. One and the same. So Heartbeat does have that general integration built into it mm -hmm. to where you could automatically make connections. It'll it'll kind of mm -hmm. read people based upon their personality traits and be like, you know what, John and Susan, that's a good match. Let me send yeah. them an email and make that connection. So I, I'm definitely happy that, first of all, you're using that platform. And second of all, you kind of took it from the online space to the offline space. Mm -hmm. So it kind of goes into like my next general question, like offline, online, you know, you, you grew up on, on a block, you were saying you were in tune with your, your masculine side, all these different things. But in reality, how long have you been on this journey to get to where you are currently right now? Well, my personal development journey, the journey of self-awareness and uh, my own, I, I had some health issues. I had some things that happened. I, I had all kinds of things happen in my personal life that I could have let sideline my professional career or building a business, building a business, selling a business, all of that stuff. Um, so for me, it was really the overlap of my own healing, my own personal development and learning and growing a business at the same time. And I think that that intersection of that, I, I played it down a lot for years. Like, oh, it's no big deal. It's just what you do. It's just what you do. Well, no, it's not. It, it is something that's difficult. It requires resilience and grit and fortitude and intelligence and all those things. And, you know, good job. But I can teach that to mm -hmm. someone else. I can model that for someone else. And so personal development wise, 35 years since I first became an entrepreneur. And I would say coaching wise, almost 15. Hmm. 
Uh, definitely interesting. So, I mean, with that, I mean, what city did you grow up in or what state did you grow up in? New Jersey, southern New Jersey. Uh, lived in Southern California for a short time and had my parents lived in Florida. So I was back and forth to Florida all mm. the time. But Very interesting. South Jersey. Yeah, I hear the common. I grew up in Brooklyn, so I mean, I hear, I definitely see the commonalities between us. So with that, okay, you grew up in, in South Jersey, right? Mm -hmm. And so my next question is kind of like, were one of your parents an entrepreneur? Because obviously, you had this gift from early on. You understand the level of connection that you were going to grow into before you even knew it was going to happen. Did mm -hmm. you get that from your dad or your mom or an aunt or an uncle? No, no, mm. no. There wasn't one person that I can think of who modeled that for me. Mm -hmm. um, not even an early business mentor. Uh, my first business, I was kind of thrown into. It just kind of happened. And well, when you start making money doing something that you were doing for fun, I was like, oh, well, this could be a job. Well, isn't that awesome? And I had to learn. I had to learn on the fly. I had to learn, you know, inventory management. I had to learn sales. I had to learn a retail business. And I remember having an offer to franchise that business. And I was like, what is that? I don't, I was 24 years old. I had no idea what that meant, what it involved, um, the legal ramifications of it. I just said, yes, okay, let's do it. And I think it was through not knowing a whole lot that I didn't hold myself back. Hmm. It's interesting that you say you didn't hold yourself back. So let's say hypothetically, if you could go back Mm -hmm. modified let's say you had a five minute window to time travel back and have a conversation with your younger self when would you travel back to and what mm. would you say to yourself to make the outcome of where you are may potentially happen a lot faster if you could i would say i would go back to the beginning of my coaching mm. uh so as a health coach uh coaching on fitness and nutrition I would now pick a different mentor. So I, I pick somebody from the online space mm -hmm. who I didn't research as much. And I just said, oh, well, that sales page looks good. That sounds like what I need. Mm -hmm. And I very quickly discovered that that program that I invested $10,000 in was not what I needed, that the person offering that program had never even done that before. That was her first launch. And not that it wasn't great information, it was, but it wasn't what I needed. I had already done that work. And what I really needed was a one-on-one -on -one mentor who understood me and my personality and what I'm capable of rather than a group program with 150 people in it where I never got to talk to the coach. Hmm. So that changed my outlook on what coaching was for a short time. Like I thought I had to be like that. I thought I had to model that model. 
And if I could fix that, I'd be where I'm at now much quicker than figuring it out on my own. So let's just spin off of that, right? So obviously I think as people are educating other people and you're coaching, you tend to do that to like your family members and your kids without even thinking about it, right? Mm -hmm. So let's talk about like, how do you currently juggle and manage like your work life with your family life? And are you blurring the lines? Mm, I would say I blurred the lines for quite a while Mm. because of working. I've always worked from home. I had an outside office for uh, many years before COVID and I'm just getting ready to go back to that to have an outside office. Mm. But for me, it was all about the habits of work. So when I was a dental hygienist, I had work hours. Mm. Got to work at eight o'clock. I finished work at five. Didn't think about my job until the next day at eight o'clock. So how can I take that and apply that? Even though I'm working at home, this is my office. I only come in here when I'm working. So it's not a space for anything else but working. So when I get to the door of my office, I physically say to myself, okay, done work. Now I'm wife, mom, friend, all of those other roles that I play. Mm -hmm. And for me, I had to do the physical separation of the doorway because I noticed my son was little when I started coaching. I was making dinner and still working up here. I was with my son still working up here. I was on vacation and still working up here. So that became the journey of separating work from home. Hmm. Um, I, I still very much show up like a coach if you want me to. Mm-hmm. There's times my son will say, he's 13 now, there's times he'll say, don't show up, show up like a mom. Mm. Don't show up, I, I don't want to be coached on this. <laughs> so that became a conscious thing to to show up how people need me to show up and not my job. Yeah, I think it's it's, it's insightful for, for a kid to at least understand how to ask for it, right? Versus just yeah. scratching their head trying to figure it out. So I definitely commend your little your little boy, which is pretty much going to be a man very shortly to, to yeah. understand that that early on, right? Yeah, um, it's kind of cool when, you know, he hears me on the phone numerous times with clients or we're in the car going somewhere and I'm having a conversation. And if he's struggling with a relationship or a school issue or, you know, all the things that happen at 13, he has the awareness to say, what do I say here, mom? Hmm. How should this make me feel? What do you think about that? Like, and I love, I love that he has the awareness to ask that. And I try to withhold, you know, judgment, of course, Mm -hmm. when he tells me things about friends or kids at school or whatever. I try to just show up. How do you want me to show up? 
should I be mom right now or should I be, you know, more of a coach? Well, I think it is a hell of an opportunity. I think entrepreneurs, we have that, right? Like, and I mm-hmm. always make fun and kind of be facetious and say that we have split personality disorders, but we have them under control, right? So yeah. if you're asking for, you know, yeah. image A, we could turn that on. If you're asking for person B, we could flip that on as well, too. So yeah. you get more than one parent and one person. So, yeah. um, so I mean, obviously, you're structured in that thing. That, that That's what we're leading to. It's like you have a lot of different structures. So, I mean, in your morning routines, your morning habits, I would think that those are structured as well. And you can correct me. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, one of the first things I love to start with, with my clients is habits, uh, because you can't, you can't turn pro, you can't, um, excel at your business until your personal habits, uh, I call them algorithms sometimes are in shape. Like, let's think about that. If, if you're not sleeping, how do you show up focused? and concentrating on your job. You can't. If you're not fueling your body properly, this is why I love my nutrition background, because I can I can see that in somebody without them even telling me. Hmm. And so if you're not setting yourself up for optimal brain function as an entrepreneur by eating, moving, and sleeping, and having a morning routine devoted to personal growth, spiritual growth, emotional growth, how do you show up as a rock star entrepreneur? You can't. Hmm. It, it, it's Look at the world's most successful entrepreneurs. And I always use Oprah and Richard Branson. Guess what? They have a morning routine and they stick to it. Tony Robbins, morning routine, sticks to it. And I don't know. If if the Dalai Lama, like I love this quote by him and I always say it, on the days that he feels like he doesn't have time to meditate because of his work schedule, personal appearances, whatever, he does double the amount. Well, that shifted something in me well when you're busy when you don't have time for your morning routine or your eating or your exercise that's exactly when you need to do it mindset wise hmm. so you're talking about growth you're talking about mindset you're you're a, obviously you're a, a ravenous educator, self-educator yeah. as well. And yeah. uh, you're optimizing growth in multiple different ways. And those that are watching this video can visually see her background, <laughs> kind of see where I'm leading to next, right? Yeah. So on your journey to get to where you are currently, this is a three-part question. The first part of it is like, from the background or from your memory, what book would you recommend for somebody that's early on that helped you to get to where you are currently right now? Oh my God, I don't know if I can <laughs> I can pick one, but I remember reading Eckhart Tolle for the first time, and I, I forget what book of his came out first. I think it was A New Earth, and something shifted in in my personal awareness, and I would say grit by Angela Duckworth that shifted how I saw myself. Hmm. 
So I always had resilience and grit. I just didn't have a name for it. So by reading those books, I had a new way to define myself, which that was pretty cool to realize your own strengths and be able to articulate them to people. Uh, Business-wise, I love Todd Brown, E5 Marketing Method. Um, I would say of all the marketing program books, that encompasses the most. And I love story brand. I love being able to break down a story in the story brand model and story brands by Donald Miller. That's probably my number one recommended book where entrepreneurs start. Very cool. So, I mean, those are books that have been in existence, books that you've read, and obviously you're an active reader. So what books are you actively reading or listening to now? Uh, Well, I quickly learned to hack the reading system. I learned uh, photo reading from Paul Sheely. He had an online program years ago to teach photo reading. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like speed reading, but it's a whole different process. And so that helped me read books faster. Mm -hmm. So at any given time, I'm reading one here in my office, one upstairs on the nightstand. And right now I'm reading a book called Captivate by Vanessa Van Edwards. Uh, She's a leading uh, people researcher, which I love people research and I love her. So I'm rereading Captivate before I read her new book. Mm -hmm. And then I'm reading Convince Them in 90 Seconds by Nicholas Boothman. And that's an older book as well. And he's written nine books, which are essentially the same information put together in a different way for a different reader to absorb, which that fascinated me. I was like, ooh. I got to learn more about this guy. Very cool. Very cool. So, I mean, with all the books that you're intaking in, I would think maybe you have published a book as well. And if you haven't, when are you planning to? Hmm. So that's, uh, it's outlined. Hmm. And I have dabbled with some writing, but I've never officially published a book, written lots of ebooks, written lots of program books for different coaching programs I've had. I've done email uh, coaching courses, like full courses in email form, but I have yet to take the plunge into being a published author. Well, I could definitely tell you, I mean, anyone that's already part of your group or people that are listening to this, I mean, they're, I, I could tell you that they're probably biting at the chops to kind of figure out when is this book going to come out. So, I mean. Well, I feel like it needs to be a blend of personal and business. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, there's something about the personal piece being vulnerable to that extent and you know, I, I'm very transparent with my stories when, you know, someone asks, well, how did, why did you change careers? How did you get started as a coach? It's a, 
it's a pretty bold story. My mom died hmm. while I was on the phone with her, wishing her a happy birthday. Wow. And one of her last things that she said to me was, do what you love. And, well, I wasn't doing what I loved. And I could have let that, see, this goes back to the resilience and the grit piece. That, that story of her passing could have been horrible. But it wasn't. I got done work early that day and was able to call her at 4 p.m. instead of my normal 7. If, if I hadn't gotten done work early that day, I would have missed that last conversation with her. So it was a different way to look at my mother's passing. And now I can tell the story in a talk and not get, I still get emotional. Yeah. But it's, it, I, can, I can move people with the story rather than getting upset by mm. the story. Well, I mean, I think, I think just, just based upon hearing that story and, and everyone is essentially born of parents and everyone mm -hmm. eventually will have to bury a parent or bury someone that came before them. Mm -hmm. So I think starting off a book as a coach with that story it's captivating. First yeah. of all, the fact is, is that her last words was to tell you to do what you love doing. And so happened you weren't doing what you love doing. And you just happened to get off early that day, not mm -hmm. doing what you love doing in time for her to give you that last message to change yeah. the direction. That's chapter one. That's intro. I mean, that changes lives by itself. What, what, mm -hmm. what do you even go to chapter two? And, and, you know, the, the gift of being able to say i love you and happy birthday knowing that i most likely was not going to get to talk to her again based on what was happening wow yeah what a gift yeah a gift grit motivation i mean yeah. everything that we've been talking about for, for the past you know hour or so is all compiled in that one moment yeah. with your mom so i definitely i mean if i i'm, I'm not trying to coach you but if, if anything else <laughs> i would say please get this no, bring book it out. on bring, bring, it on. bring that book out faster than later right. i mean i think you're doing you're doing your community a disservice because i mean obviously to your point you went from online to offline right mm -hmm. but think about it sometimes people they don't want to even get on a computer what would it look like from the whole of book with you have that book in their purse, have that book in their book bag. And they take mm -hmm. that out when they hit that hurdle, when they hit that rock to be able to move forward, to overcome something. And that chapter would do it. Wow. Well, there's more chapters yeah. that might do it too. So yeah. 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 Time to not hold it back. Yeah. So let's talk about like your, your avatar. I mean, obviously like mm -hmm. if you're talking to someone, you're talking to entrepreneurs and they may be going through something they, like to, to your example, like somebody may be dying or they may be going through some financial hurdles. Mm -hmm. Who is your ideal person that your course, your communication, your coaching is designed to help? Well, entrepreneurs is the broad, the broad sector. I would say entrepreneurs who call their business a practice hmm. resonate with my business acumen um, doctors, dentists, chiropractors, wellness center owners, holistic professionals, uh, and other coaches. 
because of the journey that I've taken, you know, business wise, it makes sense. Now I've had a marketing agency for a year and I sold it. So I've been hired by marketing agency owners, you know, but I would say if I really had to be specific, it's someone who calls their business a practice mm-hmm. and they're ready to not have it consume their life. Mm-hmm. Because so many times as entrepreneurs, our business is our life. Our life is our business. And we forget about finding the joy in life that we really, we started a business in order to have a life, create a life. We didn't start a business, so it was our life. And I think that's really the magical piece when I can help someone go from being all encompassed in their business and actually find fun and joy and fulfillment Mm-hmm. outside of the business. It makes the business more successful. Mm-hmm. So let's just, just take that a little bit deeper, right? So let's say mm-hmm. you're talking to that entrepreneur and they're listening right now and they're missing fulfillment and they're missing fun. What words of wisdom would you give them to help them to find those two things and move forward and find success? Oh, first activity is the not to do list. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I noticed early in my business I was literally doing everything. You know, I was the salesperson. I was the marketing person. I was the coach. I was the website designer. I was the SEO. Oh, what's SEO? I have to learn SEO and then I have to do it. I I literally learned to do everything. But if I had stayed in my zone of genius of coaching, meeting people and coaching, I would have been able to afford to have people help me. So I would say anyone who's starting a business who thinks they need all these assets, that they need a book, that they need a podcast, they need a website and they need a blog and they need to be on every single social media platform. Stop. What you need is sales. What you need is not more leads, You need more people to understand what you do and how you help people. And once you do that, you can afford to pay someone to do all of those other things. Very interesting. So, I mean, with that, how does someone find you on the internet? Like what's your social media handles? What website should we send them to? Uh, SuzanneTaylorKing.com and on all platforms, uh, Suzanne tailored coaching. So very cool. That's it. Uh, I think earlier on, I mean, you were talking about you, you had an agency, so that means mm-hmm. by default, anyone that has agencies, which I have as well, you kind of understand, like you have to understand technology to a certain extent. Yes. So what applications or software do you use on a daily basis that you would not be able to do what you're doing at scale without having that particular platform? Well, I'm familiar with hundreds of platforms and I have a little AppSumo problem. So we'll just get that out of the way. (laughs) It's like a thing when you're, when you're a SaaS person, um, 
when you see the potential in offering software as a service to yeah. your clients, um, you can get down a rabbit hole of learning about different platforms. And I will say that the community platform that we have in common, that was one of those things. I analyzed and reanalyzed and looked at different platforms for over a year before I took action on building my community off Facebook. Yep. I'm like, hmm, is it because there's too many choices? Absolutely. So in this world of so many software tool choices, simple is better. Um, you need a CRM. Uh, right now, I am loving Flowdesk. I was a MailChimp user for years. Uh, when I had my agency, I was using Go High Level, which is you know like a ClickFunnels platform that you can sell as a service to your clients. I loved it, learned it inside out. Um, I love Trello for making client workflows. I love, oh, it's a funnel drawing board called Funnelytics. Hmm. I love because I can map out somebody's um, whole business on a whiteboard, you know, on Zoom. And my brain sees things like that. Like this links to here, it goes to here. Hmm. And then somebody gets emails. My clients weren't like that. So me verbalizing what I saw for their business didn't work as well as me showing a visual. Mm -hmm. Like, here's what I see. Here's your website. Here's your social media. And I love drawing maps so people can see what's in my brain. Mm -hmm. um, I, I love my emotional intelligence personal development app. And I, I love anything that hacks my learning system. So cliff note type uh, book summaries, anything like that, love it. Very cool. Very cool. I think we have so many different similarities. I think any, and I, I've brought up AppSumo so many times in this podcast and just generally, <laughs> I think until you start to really look at AppSumo as a investment for your business yeah. where you can save hundreds of thousands of dollars in the long run mm -hmm. i think people just they just they missed the opportunity and i mean you're, you're talking about some of the platforms you mentioned came from AppSumo. some yeah. but again like lifetime deals are an opportunity for you to kind of get on board and help mm -hmm. a fellow entrepreneur that's doing a startup yeah. that's a founder to help them jump forward but you're on that early bandwagon so that way you could leverage all the different aspects and help grow that community overnight. And you get all the benefits at the same time. It's, it's, a yeah. no it's, it's really, I'm using a software right now uh, called 17 hats for my business. And that's my invoicing contracts. Um, I have email workflows in there. I have client workflows, you know, send a contract, client signs it, it comes back, it automatically sends an invoice. Mm. I have had that software for 14 years. Wow. 13 years, 13 years. And if I was to purchase it now, 
it would cost me <laughs> between $45 to $75 a month. Mm -hmm. I paid less than that per year. Mm. So add that up yeah. over, and I think, I think that's one of my, one of my passions is helping people do stuff like that. Yep. And if you can make a decision like that in your business that saves you $75 a month for 12 years. Yeah. With inflation and everything else, it just yeah. makes perfect sense. And I mean, to your point, you know, we had switched over to Flolu and Flolu was, was a lifetime deal as well, too, that's kind of jumping off the charts right now. And then mm -hmm. Happy Scribe is another one that kind of came out that we have unlimited yes. access to that's jumping off the charts right now. Yeah. Somebody, like, I think somebody was paying $200 a month for Happy Scribe. And I was just like, what? <sighs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. So going into like the bonus round, right? I, mm -hmm. I think like, you know, you like to have fun. So my first question generally is kind of like, if you could spend 24 hours with anyone, this person could be dead or alive. You have a 24 hour window. It's going to be completely uninterrupted. Mm -hmm. Who would you spend those 24 hours with and why? My dad. Hmm. He passed away in 2010 and there's so many things about being an entrepreneur that, you know, the resilience and the grit, I, I think I really got from him. My athletic ability, I got from him. Uh, he was cycling when he was in his 40s with a group of guys that was in their early 30s and kicking kicking butt which I love that and I I think it would be nice to have those conversations you know about where that came from with him um we never did that mm. and and just to have that next level of you know thanks and being able to express gratitude for how I turned out. Hmm. Very cool. Very cool. So going into closing, I, I know that one time you are a podcaster as well. Mm -hmm. So I like to give anyone that I'm interviewing an opportunity to become a podcaster and you become the host of the Boston Cage podcast. Now I'm your guest and you have opportunity to interview me. What questions Ooh. do you have for me? Oh, so what, what currently does your morning routine look like? So it took me forever to get to this point, but I usually wake up somewhere between 3.30 and 4.30 every single morning. And that first hour, I literally kind of just, nobody else is awake. So it gives me an opportunity mm -hmm. to kind of get, get jump started on just not emails, but content that I want to deliver to my community or to your point, looking at like, like lifetime deals on AppSumo because I may have a particular problem that I'm trying to solve and I'm like, okay, well, am I going to put it in my active budget or am I going to then just find a solution for it? Mm. And then like, you know, my team is like global. So some of my team, they're essentially seven hours ahead. So when I wake up that early, it gives me opportunity to kind yeah. of them tasks, create videos and saying, okay, this is what I need to get done today. This is what we got to close off for a particular client. And I use BerryCast and I record all this different information. And then I'll put that into like our knowledge base and send it out to them so that they, they can optimize and get all the tasks done per day. So that's like my morning routine. And then usually like around, 
I could the kids just started school. But before that, I was doing somewhere between 645 to about 745. I would go for like a, a morning jog walk for an hour. And then when I would mm -hmm. come back, get me like a milkshake or some smoothie or something and then get on the grind again. Awesome. That's my routine every single day. So, I mean, usually that four o'clock window kind of gives me opportunity to get so many things done yeah. for the nine o'clock turnaround time when emails start flooding in. Yeah, there's something magical about being up before everybody in your house. Yeah, definitely. Even before school. I mean, usually yeah. kids, they wake up like six, seven o'clock. So getting that extra two hours before mm -hmm. you know, water running or hearing the toilet flush or anything else like that is just an opportunity to kind of be serene. Yeah, love it. Cool. Any other questions? I wouldn't. Um, what do you do for fun? So for fun, I love to do multiple things. I'm, I'm an adrenaline junkie. So, I mean, I just recently sold my, my sailboat, but sailing was one of the things that I wanted to learn mm. how to do. So I took up the opportunity, bought a sailboat, learned how to do it. So anytime I have opportunity to be on water, I love that. Um, besides that, rock climbing is, is something that once I got into it, you know, about a decade ago, anytime I see something, I could be 60 years old. I'm like, well, just, just <laughs> a few minutes. Let me just try to climb it really quick. So uh -huh. I love climbing. I love hiking. So I'm more of an outdoors person. So I love those general things. And every once in a while, because of my art background, I'll, you know, if I get some quiet time, I'll sketch something out in my black book, some graffiti or something along those lines. Oh, love it. Well, I mean, I definitely appreciate you being on the show today. I think that this conversation was, was hell of insightful. I think you expose yourself to where people can kind of not only see you, but they could also see what you can do for them. Well, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to have a conversation like this. It doesn't happen a lot. So it's great to connect with you and just, you know, show up, show up like me. Yeah. Yeah. Which is hundred percent genuine, which is something that you don't really find as often as people would think. Hmm. Well, <laughs> If I can help anybody do that, reach out. Let's have a conversation. Perfect. S.A. Grant, over and out. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Boss Uncage. I hope you got some helpful insight and clarity to the diverse approach on your journey to becoming an Uncaged Trailblazer. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast. If this podcast has helped you or you have any additional questions, reach out and let me know. Email me at ask at sagrant.com or drop me your thoughts via a call or text at 762-233-BOSS. That's 762-233-2677. I would love to hear from you. Remember, to become a boss in cage, you have to release your inner beast. S.A. Grant, signing off. Listeners of Boss Uncaged are invited to download a free copy of our host, S.A. Grant's insightful ebook, Become an Uncaged Trailblazer. Learn how to release your primal success in 15 minutes a day. Download now at www.bossuncaged.com forward slash free book.